guardian angels, and patron saints. Pray for us. Well, yesterday we had a great celebration here at Christ the King, first of what will hopefully become our annual alumni reunion for the school. We, we've been around for over 80 years, and so we've, we've accumulated a fair number of, of alumni. And we invited them all back for a, just a chance to get together, tour the school, um, trade some good memories, and, and just give thanks for the, for the gift of, of the work of this school. And uh, it was really great. We had a fantastic turnout. Um, I'm, I'm sure some of you were there yesterday. Uh, mass attendance was really great. Uh, and then, of course, we had a lot of people come from all over the city, some of them as far as uh, Arkansas, other places who were, who were able to come back and, and connect, reconnect with some of their old teachers, see their old classrooms. And we gave tours and played bingo and sold Sloppy Joes and got some cool t-shirts. And uh, just a great, a great time to, uh, I don't know, celebrate the work of, of the mission of this, of this particular parish school, something that's been a, an anchor and a, and a pillar of this neighborhood for, for many years, many decades. And, you know, as I complete now my second year of service as the pastor here, uh, although I, I think of it more as just one 24-month-long year in, instead of two, it's all sort of blended together in a weird uh, just mess. Nonetheless, uh, I look back and I, I have many reasons to give thanks the, the primary one being uh, how, how great our school is and the great leadership and wisdom that we have. Mrs. Kathy Fithian has been uh, here over 30 years in various capacities, and her wisdom benefits me a lot. And, of course, the team that she's put together of being able to put in front of our children uh, people that are worthy of being imitated. You know, our teachers, we, we, really, we really take great pride in placing before our children People that, that these kids should want to be like. That's a, that's a crucial thing for the identity of a Catholic school. Are our teachers worthy of imitation? You know, I want our kids to at least some point in the course of their years here at Christ the King School to at least have the thought once, wait, I would really like to be a teacher. Because <laughs> that person seems to be happy. I like that person. I want to be like him or her. And I think we're on track for that. We have, a, we have a really great team of teachers and staff who believe in what they do. In the end, you know, the work of our school is one of the most important things that we do here at this parish. Uh, it is a mission of the church. It is a work of evangelization. It is a place here in Wyandotte County where the gospel is preached, where the the soil is prepared in the hearts of young men and women to receive God's word, for it to take deep root and to produce fruit in their lives. I, I genuinely believe that. It's worth the time and effort and resources that we put into it, which are enormous. Enormous. I'd say the reason I think our school is so particularly important is partially what we heard in our first reading here today, as well as our gospel. Moses, speaking to the people of Israel in the book of Deuteronomy, he says, These commandments of the Lord, his statutes and precepts, observe them carefully. For thus will you give evidence of your wisdom and intelligence 
to the nations who will hear of all these statutes and say, this great nation is truly a wise and intelligent people. What is true of Moses and the law is infinitely more true of Jesus and his new commandment. Jesus is a kind of new Moses. The law of the Ten Commandments that was given to the people of Israel was given on the Mount of Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments inscribed on those tablets Moses brought down from the mountain. And Jesus preaches his new commandment on the Sermon on the Mount. He is a new lawgiver. And what's true of the obedience that's demanded of the Jews for the law is even more true of us. That we be careful to observe all of his commandments carefully. Thus, our observance of those commandments will not only demonstrate to the world around us, to the other nations, so to speak, that we are a wise and intelligent people. And not only that, but that we can draw others into that same wisdom. We become attractive. Well, as I meditated on that passage, it struck me, why isn't Moses' promise coming to pass? I don't know about you, but I don't hear a lot of people commending the disciples of Jesus for their wisdom and intelligence these days. Now, there's a lot of reasons for that. We live as a kind of nation within a nation, don't we? We who follow Christ, who place the truth about his victory over death at the center of our lives, we don't share that necessarily with the surrounding culture. We find ourselves in opposition to that surrounding culture if we truly do place that truth at the center of our lives. So we become a nation within a nation. And I don't know about you, but I I don't hear very many people saying those who believe in that victory, who place it at the center of their lives, who have received the gospel and, and believe it, who have repented and believe. No, they don't have a reputation for being wise and intelligent, do they? Now, we should expect to some extent to be rejected by the, by the culture around us if we, we are true to our, our faith. But are those the reasons why we are not the attractive source of wisdom and admirable intelligence to the surrounding nation? causes me some pain to realize that we are not. And I don't think the fault lies with Moses' promise. Do we, in fact, observe our Lord's commands carefully? Do we, in fact, live out of the truth of his teaching and put it into practice day in and day out? Do we, in fact... Know that teaching. Is it familiar to us? Are we clear on what it is that we're supposed to be following? Those are important questions to ask ourselves. And I speak about this not not as a, a problem or an issue particular to our community or our parish. It's global. Right? It's certainly throughout our country. 
What are the reasons we often hear Catholics criticized? We don't hear how wise and intelligent we are. We hear the classic, the classic examples. Oh, you Catholics think you can do whatever you want all week long, go to confession on Saturday and show up for Mass on Sunday in whatever condition, whatever hungover, and everything's fine. Right? I hear those criticisms. I've heard those. Maybe you've heard them too. Or the church, you know, all, it's just a big money project. All that wants money. Asking for money. Looking for money. What happened to service of the poor? What happened to taking care of, you know, building these big buildings, living the high life, putting money where it doesn't belong? The fact is, we don't have a reputation for being an attractive source of wisdom in knowing the one true God and Jesus whom he has sent. Our witness is compromised in many ways. I think the most terrible of all of those criticisms directed towards the people of God, or the new people of Israel, is that we don't even really believe it ourselves. After all, if what we believe is true, that the body and blood of Jesus is is made present, closer to us than that of any other religion, that God has drawn near to them in the form of this humble food. If that is in fact the case, then why is it that three out of every four professed Catholics can't be bothered to go to Mass on Sunday? That statistic was pre-pandemic. I, I, I'm not sure what it would be now. Certainly less. Is that a way of manifesting our careful obedience to the Lord's commands? The genius of the Second Vatican Council, of course, is that we were called as the entire church to become representatives of our faith. That when someone in our lives comes to know that we are a Catholic Christian. In some sense, it's true that they're evaluating us in light of that commitment that we have, or that, that faith. And they're also evaluating that faith in light of us. My life becomes a kind of representation of the truth of the gospel and the truth of the Catholic faith. It's not simply the hierarchy, right? The bishops and priests and nuns who, who have that responsibility to represent the church. All of us do. All of us are called to be the light and salt to the surrounding nations, to manifest by our careful obedience our intelligence and wisdom and how good it is to know the one true God. That's the call of the Second Vatican Council, what we call the universal call to holiness. It's what our Holy Father, Pope Francis, and prior popes before him have called the emphasis on missionary discipleship. We follow Jesus as his representatives to the world. So it's a point for us to take to heart, I believe. To take seriously that invitation from our Lord, that challenge to observe his statutes and commandments, to not ever be found in the company of those Pharisees he speaks so strongly against in our gospel reading today, to give lip service 
honoring God with our mouths, but finding our hearts far from him. I have a, a, a little homework assignment for you. I think one of the most uh, undervalued resources for the people of God to grow in their faithfulness to the call to missionary discipleship, the call to universal holiness, is this handy little book called the Holy Bible. What a beautiful collection of those teachings of our Lord that we are to be careful and observing. And I'd like to recommend one in particular to you, a little compendium, that Sermon on the Mount, that in a sense collects and distills all of many Jesus' many teachings into one powerful presentation. Out of curiosity, I'd like to ask genuinely if you can shout out the answer to the question. Can anyone tell me what book of the Bible the Sermon on the Mount is in? Shout it out. Matthew. Matthew. It's in the Gospel of Matthew. Very good. That's good to know. Can anyone tell me what chapter of Matthew the Sermon on the Mount can be found in? Bonus points. Matthew 5. That's very impressive. You must have been talking to the people at Mass last night and heard the answers. <laughs> they, they couldn't answer. So, 930 crowd, holiness points. <laughs> Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. When's the last time you, you, you read prayerfully the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount? I challenge you today to go home. Almost everyone has a Bible at home. Open up the physical Bible to Matthew chapter 5 and take 20 minutes to slowly and prayerfully read through 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' collection of teachings, right? I suspect what might happen is you'll be surprised, first of all, at how familiar it is, we return to this again and again and again in all of our scripture readings, little pieces here and there. There won't be, a, there won't be a, much of that sermon that you won't recognize. But you'll also be perhaps surprised to hear it all together in that way, in that context. Maybe it'll reveal to you, hey, maybe this is why we keep coming back to this over and over again. We hear it in mass, so many different contexts, so many different occasions. Maybe then, in the course of that reading, you would find one thing that causes your heart to move, or one thing where you feel like you're being told by the Holy Spirit who's inspired this, this, this collection of Jesus' teachings, right? to say, here's one area that I need to change. And at the end of that time, to say, Lord, help me observe this carefully, this little teaching you've given me today. Help me put it into practice in my life in the week to come, whatever it might be, large or small. This is part of what drives us forward in our service of God, our missionary discipleship. Imagine, imagine if not only our parish, but our school children, our school families, breathed 
this teaching in, drank deeply of it, were fed on it, delighted in it, held one another up in their pursuit of obedience to it. What might happen to this parish, this school, this neighborhood? What might happen? Would our witness begin to be a source of attractiveness to the nations around us, the people who do not place Jesus at the center of their lives, who do not know the one true God, and give them a reason to give it a second chance, having written it off as so much empty lip service? Would it, in fact, rejuvenate the community of our parish here assembled around the altar on Sundays? So many of us missing from this, from this sacrament of the Eucharist, the Sunday celebration, the heart, the source and the summit of our faith. I ask your prayers in this coming year as we have a new initiative that we're undertaking with the families of the school, but I want to open this up to all of our, our parish. We're calling it School of Home. On Sundays after Mass, every other week, alternating in English and in Spanish, here at Christ the King in English and in Blessed Sacrament in Spanish, we're going to go into the parish hall or the cafeteria after the Sunday Mass. We're going to sit down, maybe have some coffee and donuts, maybe some breakfast, some pancakes provided by the Knights of Columbus. We're going to sit down, have some breakfast together, get to know each other, but then reflect a little bit. What's, what is it that I'm being asked as a family to take what we receive here home and to put it into practice, to allow what happens here to inform and to bless our home life? One of the things that we do at the school this year has been really emphasizing and creating a home-like environment for our students, right? to give them a place of stability and routine and simplicity, a place where they can feel supported and comfortable, but also know their boundaries and experience the, the helpful discipline that will allow them to, to learn with clear minds. But so too, we're asking our families, let's make home a little more school-like. Let's order our homes and our home life around the formation of our children into disciples of Jesus who can think, who can grow in virtue, who can articulate themselves and not be deceived by the deceptions of the world or the latest fashions, but who are anchored in what is truly good and beautiful. In this way, I believe, we have some progress that we can be making, but it's gonna be a, a year-long endeavor, multiple years. It's, it's something that I know that our parish needs. Pray for the success of that and, and please feel free to join us if it would be of interest to you. We'll be starting here later in the month of September with this project. But it's these kinds of things, right? Staying rooted and grounded in the teaching of Jesus, putting it into practice, that are truly going to be the things that drive us forward, that anchor us in the truth. Yesterday was a beautiful day to reminisce about the good times that we've had here at this parish and this school. Many stories were told right? Jokes, happy memories. But we don't have to look to the past. We don't have to look to the past for times to be good. The Lord is alive, guiding, speaking, teaching, and driving us forward. And if we listen to his voice, 
if we allow his teachings to inform and, and speak to us here and now, and we observe those carefully, not just with our lips, but with our hearts, the best is yet to come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.